2: But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster.
3: Preview Show. My name is Danny Hypers. I am joined by Ben Solak and Steven Ruiz. We are coming to you every Friday to preview the weekend's NFL games. And first up, we have the game plan where Solak and Steven are going to break down the biggest game of the week and they will cosplay as the best coaching staffs for each team. Not the best, but the coaching staffs of the best teams, of the best game of the week. This week, we've got the Cowboys at the Minnesota Vikings. So Steven's going to be Mike McCarthy for the Cowboys. So he spent all of his time lying to Jerry Jones about how much tape he watches so he can get the Cowboys job. That's how I got this job. <laughs> I've watched every game. Have you seen my quarterback rankings? They're terrible. <laughs> you said it, not me. Solak is going to be Kevin O'Connell for the Vikings for the second week in a row, which is funny yeah, to me boy. because Solak kind of looks like if Kevin O'Connell had like a baby brother, but like he went to college right as Solak was like
1: t- turned 12 years old and they don't really know each other that well. This is great news. I'm going to be like the assistant running backs coach in the Vikings in a few years. Get some nepotism rolling, baby. To be the quality control coach
3: low-key it's like every question you have about the patriots it's just like it's because bill belichick's sons are doing
1: things Have you ever anyway. done the bill belichick kirk ference and uh, uh, rabbit hole
3: well yeah because the Ferrens they've known each other and the kid is playing and
1: yeah it's yeah a lot of rabbit the, holes yep no, no the new england patriots are iowa hawkeyes northeast and both franchises play despicable football that should not be respected I
3: love that the answer to why are the Patriots so good is because Belichick just, like, instead of spending time on the draft, just asked his friends who he should take.
0: It, it's because instead of, like, trying to win the Super Bowl, Bill Belichick seems to be trying to win the Big Ten East right, right now <laughs> instead.
1: And he's doing great. He's on, he's on a great path. All right. Game of the
3: week here. Cowboys are 6-3. and three. They're at Minnesota, who are 8-1. and one. Cowboys, even though the Cowboys are favored by a point and a half, even though they're on the road. So, Solak, I want to start with you. Last week, we talked about Vikings Bills in this same space. And I, and also you, said that the Vikings were frauds and they're bad and that the Bills were going to romp and the Vikings are not a real Super Bowl contender. They then beat the Buffalo Bills. All the Vikings fans want justice. So my question is, will you repent and will you flagellate? I don't know the word. Flagellate yourself like the guy in the beginning of the Da Vinci Code? Flagellate is definitely
1: the word. I don't know what the guy in the beginning of the Da Vinci Code does. I will not. It was 27 to 10. With like a minute left in the third <laughs> quarter, man. I mean, what happened? A lot. I mean, it, it's it's a win probability graph for the ages, man. We just it you can very clearly see the moment at which a big red button was pressed in a Buffalo Wild Wings. And it's when on fourth and 18, Kirk Cousins completes a 32 yard pass to Justin Jefferson that he caught mostly with Christian Benford's hands. Right, And that's what it it, it took for the the Vikings to have a win against the Bills. We obviously know there's a lot more that happens after that. Failed fourth down quarterback sneaks. Failed quarterback sneaks up against the goal line that become touchdowns. Gabe Davis catches that aren't actually catches. Overtime kicks. And then Josh Allen doesn't see the ball in overtime for like the 95th time in a row. Whatever Bills fans are complaining about this week. Very odd and peculiar game. And for Minnesota, there's wonderful uh, proof of concept in terms of how they play and how it works and like i i don't think there's anything wrong with saying all right we're facing a really good team let's throw it to justin jefferson as much as we physically can especially when there's no tradavius white right like i don't think it's like bad that they are finding success this way it's that this way to find success feels less tenable than other ways ways like having elite quarterbacks having like elite offenses that have multiple answers right like you know this feels like a very frail build at times because if they're not throwing to justin Jefferson it's it's difficult to figure out who they should throw it to with that said there are things that minnesota deserves credit for that we probably breeze by pretty quickly watching kirk play against buffalo like kirk's kirk but he really he he there are a lot of like contested sideline tight window throws that other quarterbacks just aren't going to try to hit that kirk just gives his guy a chance on and that's the right thing to do in this offense i think that, that deserves a check mark the trade for TJ Hawkinson, I think, was a good and smart trade. So it gives you that potential second receiving option after Justin Jefferson. It's improved their, 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 uh, their personnel. Like, uh, uh, like having Hawkinson and Munt on the field, to me, is a better blocking duo than you had with Irv Smith and, and Johnny Munt. So like, there's, there's been improvements there. It's just that they, they are, in terms of our evaluation of their roster, our evaluation of their coaching staff, what they look like, they're more so like a second-tier, third-tier team that just at this point has one loss and also beat the bills. If you want me to continue to shut up Vikings fans, beat the Cowboys at home, even though you are underdogs, even though Vegas thinks Dallas deserves to be favored over you in your home stadium, win this game too. And you know, it'll continue to feel more and more real. Yeah. Steven, I'm curious. You're, you're like the Cowboys
3: coaching staff here. And I'm curious, do you think that the Cowboys defense, I mean, obviously they collapsed against the Packers last week, which was incredible. The Cowboys were like 195 and 0 entering the fourth quarter up 14 or more. And then they, once you see the graphic, you know they're going to lose. Do you think the Dallas defense is right. good enough still to take them to the Super Bowl, and or if the like if the Vikings actually move the ball in the Cowboys, will you be more disappointed in Dallas or more impressed by the Vikings?
0: Uh, I would be. I, I think it depends on how it looks because there seem there seems to be like a blueprint for beating this Dallas defense that's been popping up more recently, and we saw it start with the Eagles game, and we also like talked about it before the Eagles game that like attacking the edges of the defense quickly. And taking the defensive line out of the picture, because that's the strength of this team, is is how you beat this defense. And I think we've seen more teams adopt that over the last couple of weeks, we, and, and in different ways. Like The Eagles are going to do that in a different way. They can do the RPOs, they can do the screen passes, they can get Jalen Hurts involved. Obviously, Green Bay doesn't have that same setup, but they were able to get the running game going, attack the edges, uh, Rodgers throwing into the flats. And I think that like opened up the play action for the packers and then they also beat man coverage and i think that's what this game comes down to like Solak said this offense has come down to fuck it uh jefferson's down there somewhere i'm just going to throw it up and he's going to make a play Mm -hmm. and i i think that work like when it works it works and it looks amazing like it did against buffalo but when it doesn't you start to see like why we have been questioning kirk cousins for so long he isn't doing the play action stuff he's used to doing on early downs. It's not working as well. So, we're seeing a more aggressive Kirk Cousins, which is like commendable. That's what we want. We want to see Kirk like throw into tight windows. We, we want to see him get outside the pocket and try to scramble when there's a chance to do it. And he's doing that more often. But we're seeing more mistakes. Like his turnover worthy play rate is way up, His his efficiency metrics are way down. And I think that's the problem with these types of quarterbacks. And I think that's the problem with looking at the Vikings as a long-term Super Bowl contender, or a Super Bowl contender in the big picture of the season. I just don't see it, and I don't see it because of the offense.
3: Because of the offense or because of Kirk Cousins? Or they because of Kirk season?
0: Cousins and because the offense can't supply him with the the benefits that he's used to, that he's needed to thrive, at least numbers-wise. Like, when we've seen him be a top-10 quarterback, it's mostly been done on early downs. It's been calling play action and, and hitting big plays on early downs. Now that's like totally gone from this offense. Like even Justin Jefferson isn't getting deep targets on first and second down. All yes. of his deep targets are coming on third down. Like all, I mean, like a lot of his production or sometimes on third fourth down, down fourth, and or fourth down, sometimes. like those, those yeah. gotta have it plays. And while it's good that you are making those plays in these, these big games that people are seeing, but what happens when you don't make those plays, then you struggle to beat Washington the week before you score 20 points against them. Uh, I, I I don't have any faith in this team. And, la- and last week did nothing for me. Like even for Kirk Cousins, I've seen a lot of people say, oh yeah, he was throwing dimes. Those aren't dimes to me. Those are prayers that right. ended up landing in the right spot. I'm sorry. You cannot place a ball on the back shoulder on a 30-yard corner downfield when you're Kirk Cousins. He didn't yeah. have like that, that Jeff- Justin Jefferson catch. Yes. That looks like a dime, a tight window dime is not a dime to me. That's praying that I, it's mm-hmm. it's different. And then the the, uh, the deep comeback towards the sideline where he's literally cowering in fear Balling when he throws away. the ball. Yeah, yeah. That's fake. That is fake. That's I know what you're strength. saying, where it's like on one hand,
3: if the Vikings Bills game, like if Justin Jefferson just gets his own hands on the ball and like two of the three hands on that ball were in his and they drops, then everyone's like, well, the Bills beat the Vikings. But having said that, they did win the game. So do you guys feel like. You guys doesn't are basically matter. both like eh, I don't care well, it's, like, it's, it's still mid. When
1: like let's 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 roll back to 2021 as an example, right? Like for most of the 2021 season, I was pretty bearish on the Bengals. Steven was pretty bearish on the Bengals. And it was because hey, like offensively, this doesn't feel tenable. Like Jamar Chase is like leading the league in yards over catch per expectation. Joe Burrow has like a 20 plus 20% completion percentage over expectation on his downfield throws. Like the Bengals are just living in a world where regression's going to hit. And then what ended up happening? Well, the Bengals won the AFC, uh, the AFC North, right? Fourth seed. They enter the playoffs and they win three games in a row. Raiders, Titans, Chiefs. And everybody's like, wow the Bengals offense unbelievable like they did it they 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 made it through the playoffs like they like everybody said this was not tenable. they were going to regress but they didn't if you watch the games their <laughs> offense didn't win the games their their defense did right and and that's that's the thing about like looking at Minnesota as an 8 and 1 team Minnesota's tied with the Eagles for the the potential one seed in the NFC through 11 weeks when we watch Minnesota play and then we watch a team like Dallas play or a team like San Francisco like uh, the the Eagles other NFC contenders the ways in which Eagles, Niners, Cowboys win feel more consistent in terms of, of what we see over the course of data, right? Over the, like you know What's sticky, what's not sticky, what tends to regress, what tends to be very high value, as opposed to the Vikings, where it's like, all right, well, yeah, if they just keep converting on third and nine, they're never going to lose a game, because if any team can keep converting on third and nine, they're never going to lose a game. So it's right. This doesn't feel tenable. This doesn't feel consistent. However, beat the Bills, beat the Cowboys this week, And and, I mean, like, drop a stupid game if you want. Who cares? Like, beat the Cowboys, you know. Beat the Packers. Secure the North. Get a first-round bye. Like, and then, and then at that point, you just got to get lucky in two games. And then now it's no longer about like, hey, is this consistent? It's not. It's like, oh, you're there. Then now, now like the the nature of any NFL game, right, is coin flips, right? You the 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 Vikings could have been playing the seventy-two Dolphins and gotten fourth and goal failed, quarterback sneak to failed quarterback sneak on the goal line to touchdown or whatever. Like the, the NFL is a chaotic place, so. Like, when the Vikings were 5-1, it was like, all right, this is probably going to fall off. And then it hasn't. All right, well, it's 8-1. They're probably going to fall off. They're probably going to lose a few games because they don't look like a one-loss team. However, they're like 92% to win the division or something. So just, if you finish that, you're you're in a position where all you got to do is continue to be hot. And that hot hand fallacy of, like, you know, if, I, if I'm hot right now, I'm going to stay hot. That's obviously a fallacy. But in an NFL playoffs, it's not seven-game series. It's not the NBA where we right. give a, a better team the, the course of a seven-game series to make sure they win out, to make sure like the, the models are correct and the better team uh, perseveres. It's just a one-off. It's four quarters. So get to the spot, and then, you know, win your coin flips.
3: But for all the talk about, like, Justin Jefferson and the Kirk and stuff, the Cowboys' problems have been running the ball or defending the run because I, I saw this. This was a great note I got from you this week. If Dallas allows another 200 yards rushing this week, it'll be – the first time they've allowed three straight games of 200 rushing yards since the Cowboys were an expansion team in 1960. And Dalvin. even Mike McCarthy was basically like, we, this is how you attack us and we have to fix it. And I'm curious what you think with like Dalvin Cook and the Vikings offense, if you think the Cowboys mm-hmm. are able to do it.
1: I don't think like I don't I don't project 200 rushing yards. It's a little too much dip on the chip. With that said, the Cowboys have always uh, have been over the course of this season, a penetration front. They've been light up front, right? They're they're, they're playing like, you know, Doran's Armstrong on the interior, right? They are trying to be a a speed and penetration team. They acknowledged and and were aware of the fact that this is a little bit of an issue for them, right? They traded for Jonathan Hankins with the Raiders before the deadline in the hope that they would have a a more like traditional one tech kind of nose tackle to eat up space for them. Hankins legs aren't exactly what he used to be. They have Quentin Bahana, who's not exactly what, you know, like he's supposed to be a space gobbler, but doesn't actually end up working too well for them. They're a limited player in terms of their interior guys, right? And so if you are, like Stephen said, able to get these four down players moving left to right instead of moving upfield, then you're A, going to have a much more successful play-action passing game, but B, probably going to have those cutback lanes for Dalvin Cook, right? Get wide, 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 and then go upfield. The Vikings don't run as much zone this year as like, we're accustomed to seeing, right? Like, like Stephen brought up the play-action numbers are down, O'Connell doesn't run as much zone as you would expect a, a branch right off of the McVay tree to do. They kind of run some some power stuff and they'll pull the tight ends and everything like that. So I don't think they're as well suited to like outside zone, outside zone, spam, spam, spam. The way these like old Rams teams used to do against all these four down penetration rush fronts. I don't think you'll see that. I also don't think Dalvin has played super well this year. Dalvin's just been like fine. Uh, he doesn't seem to, to me to have as much juice as he used to. Like the massive run he ripped off against the Bills aside. I I haven't seen the same player that we're accustomed to seeing. So I don't think it's a 200 rushing yard game. I do think that if you are the Vikings coaching staff and you watch what the Packers did to them in terms of the zone running game, you go, okay, we're going to try that. We're going to see if we can hit that as hard as they did. I just don't think the Vikings personnel is as well suited to do that. I don't think the Vikings have been as successful doing that as the Packers were in previous games this season. So we'll see. I don't think 200 yards. I think they can have a good day. I don't think 200.
0: Yeah. One thing we saw in the Packers game was the Packers attacked the the cowboys from under center and one thing the vikings the vikings are kind of like to extend the the bangles metaphor they can't run from under center
1: the vikings offense i it it the light bulb went off for me watching them the, the for prep for this pod we i expected o'connell to bring the the golf rams he brought the stafford rams right yeah but it's kirk cousins trying to run the stafford rams offense it's like no, that's no, why kirk, the
0: turnover worthy yeah. plays are up
1: Kirk's supposed to run the other offense, the old one, the golf one. That's for this guy. You can't run the Stafford <laughs> offense with everybody.
0: And now they're kind of in like a transition after the Hawkinson trade, where like CJ Ham's snaps have have disappeared, and they've gone for like putting two backs on the field, being a two back run team, which they were in the past. Like we we tend to conflate these offenses, but there are differences in personnel. And one of the differences for Minnesota was they ran with the fullback on the field, which is kind of like what we've seen in other places, but not LA for instance. That's why it was such a big deal when Skoranek started lining up at fullback yep. uh, for McVay. And and they're transitioning into more of a 12 personnel team, more of a single back under center, more like the Rams. And I think that transition is going to take some time. I don't think you could figure that out over the course of the season, especially against competition like like this. We could talk about them beating the Bills, but it was not a great performance for the offense up until the end, which was there was a lot of things contributing to that. It wasn't just like the Vikings offense flipped a switch. It was just, I don't know, big plays.
3: Okay, so Vikings or Cowboys? Who are you guys taking to win in this game? Steven?
0: I'm going to take the Cowboys. I, I, we haven't talked about the Cowboys offense at all, but I think that they're close. Like They're just off a little bit, and we saw that on the interceptions. That was an extreme example like where there's a miscommunication on both of those plays, but I really think like the offense is fine. It's just a little off right now, and once they get their timing right, and get the option routes. They're on the same page with the quarterback. I think it's going to be fine. And honestly, I think this Vikings this Vikings defense is easy for this particular offense to attack. They could put CeeDee Lamb in the slot. That's what they do on passing downs. They put CeeDee Lamb in the slot, and the Vikings don't like adjust to that. Patrick Peterson and uh, Dantzler have not played one rep inside this year. They're going to be on the outside, so it basically comes down to CeeDee Lamb versus Chandon Sullivan, and I'm going to take C D Lamb. So basically, if the
3: Dak Prescott looks really good in this game, is Bill Simmons going to stop asking us if Dak is worse than
1: Kirk Cousins? I, mean, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. But no. yeah, the uh, Vikings right now are giving up 39.3 receiving yards per game to slot receivers. It's the third highest figure in the league. Uh, this is just like a true quarters team, which is nice in theory until NFL teams can throw to the outside hash, right? They, they can throw to like, the slot receiver breaking outside and you just don't have person that like, like, like Steven said, it's Chan Sullivan trying to close without good leverage on CD lamb, which is not where you want to be. CD lamb has
0: been insane on third down, by the way, four and a half yards per route run, six and a half versus man.
1: I'm a giants fan. So I'm
3: not hoping the Cowboys win, but if the Cowboys do lose this game, then I feel like then we're, I don't even know how the media will continue our conspiracy to not give Kirk cousins credit. It's going to be even harder than ever. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers getting no sweat. First bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code RINGERNFL. Jets are playing the Patriots this week. They haven't beat the Patriots since like 2015. You know what? I'm doing it. Give me the Jets. Give me the money line. Give me the points. Give me everything. Jets are beating the Patriots this week. FanDuel has tons of betting options for each game. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So sign up today with the promo code RINGERNFL for your no sweat first bet make every moment more this season with FanDuel the official sportsbook partner of the NFL 21 plus in select states first online real money wager only refund issues non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey Pennsylvania, Illinois Virginia 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 53342 in Arizona 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-9 with it in Indiana Visit kscamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, one 877 hope wire Text hope and wire to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline is 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia.
1: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that.
3: You two are good at predicting the games. You're pretty bad at writing headlines. I'm going to let you guys do memes, too. You're better at memes. So headlines and or memes, whatever you want for Monday morning. First game here, the Jets are at the Patriots. Jets are 6-3. and Patriots are 5-4. and The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since 2015. The number one song in America when the Jets beat the Patriots last was actually Hello by Adele. Like, that's how long ago it has been. I don't know if Solak even knows that song. Hello.
1: There you go. Keep going. It's me. I've been wondering something that I did. we used to meet. No, that's actually the lyrics. You know it. She mumbles everything. I'm not okay. trying to get to the chorus. We don't need me to try to no, attempt no, no. that octave. No, no one that's wants not happening. That. Hello, friends. <laughs> okay,
3: <laughs> Stephen, do you think that the what? What do you think wins? Jets, Patriots, and what do you think is the headline on Monday morning? Or meme?
0: Uh I think the Patriots win, and I think. Zach Wilson's attempt to complete a pass against this uh, defense goes a lot like Solak just singing right now. Like, that's what it's going <laughs> to be beautiful like. Beautiful tear the...
1: jerking. We didn't need a metaphor. We've seen him play against the Patriots. We could have yeah. just had, like, in the previous games.
0: Okay, here's the headline. Wilson's Bella check-in shows he's not the guy.
1: What? Check-in.
0: What? It's check-in, like a check-in. Like, an, a, we're <laughs> like checking check-in in on him. Saying? Like, check down? you don't check, know what a check-in is oh, like, like check, I, I want to check in like do you guys know what words? is he checking in to? <laughs> like we're checking we are checking in but it's the belichick in because like you, that's the ultimate test for a young quarterback is it not going up against belichick wilson
1: what
3: is
0: wilson's, wilson's belichick in it's a it's a it's a this pun. is
1: horrendous this is inexcusable. Shows he's not. <laughs> the the producer guy. Isaiah is booing in the Zoom chat. He, he doesn't. What? He doesn't.
0: He doesn't know. Do you know headlines. what
1: headlines are?
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: No, that's that one's got a lot, a lot going on. In I it. feel
0: like you got to see it in. You got to see it in print. <laughs> see, I write for the medium. You guys, you don't listen to headlines. You read headlines.
3: Stephen has a different excuse every week, man. I, I was gonna say at some point, you're, you know, you're your record. I've written headlines
0: anyway. before. I've written headlines before. Have you guys ever written headlines?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It like I, in, the, in, like the, in the old get blogging days, and over. SEO sorted yeah. out.
3: Anyway. It's so a good headline. I guess here's the thing. I feel like with Zach Wilson, the entire point of the Jets coaching staff, they're all just like, hey, Zach, stop messing up, stop turning the ball over. And I saw this is a great stat from Rich Rebar at Sharp Football. And the Patriots are bottom basically a bottom for offense when they get the ball in their own territory. But the Patriots have the most drives starting in the other team's territory. But I feel like the Jets already have kind of like read Zach Wilson the Riot Act and like, hey Zach, like, stop turning the ball over. We're gonna have Ben Solex sing to you in a loop for the rest of your life. Like,
1: isn't like <laughs> I didn't that entire ask for this, okay. You, well, I, I didn't. I, I wanted to prove I knew the lyrics. And then, lo and behold, I you didn't you have thrown to sing back the lyrics. in my face.
0: No, I like that. No, all good. he said, You didn't. he didn't even ask if you knew the lyrics. He just asked if you knew of the song. You didn't have to sing to prove yourself. You wanted to sing. Don't, don't
1: lie to yeah, me. I wanted to
3: sing. That's yes, really Okay. But I wanted
0: to talk <laughs> about But isn't Wilson the entire
3: because, thing the Jets are telling Zach Wilson this week is just don't turn over the ball and we'll win. Yes,
0: that's what they did the last time they played. And he still found a way to turn over the ball and cost him three points. But, like... There's been a lot made of his splits between clean pocket and his pressured dropback splits. And I think it, it's related to what you're talking about because but what like are those when splits? Minus 0.35 when pressured EPA per play, which is terrible. One of the worst in the league. And it's then he's terrible plus, and pressured. Uh, and then he's plus 0.2 EPA when not pressured, which is like good. It's fine. But when you start to strip out like the scheme stuff, like the RPOs and the screen passes and the flea flickers, for instance he goes down to like 21st in the league in a clean pocket. So this is like the only thing you have to hang your hat on if you're a Jets fan still coping. And he's not even good at it. Like, it's not good. It's just that he's flipping the ball to a running back and the running back's running for like 20 yards. And then it goes on his stat sheet. It, and it's because the only time he's actually clean is because he's getting these like schemed up w- plays where he's protected from himself. Like you can't, it's hard to throw an interception on a screen pass. He, he's going to try. Zach Wilson will try his best to do it but it's hard to do it. And that's why I think we're seeing the split between when he's not pressured and when he is pressured, because most of the time he's getting pressured because he's creating it himself.
1: Right. Like that, that last point Steven made is critical. Whenever we talk about clean pocket versus under pressure, my first question is, okay, who's responsible for that? Because if it's like, you know, this quarterback's extremely good when he's in the pocket, but then, you know, when the offensive line loses, he can't execute the offense. It's like, all right, well, that's that's like everybody. That's all the quarterbacks save for like the five greats. That's like your ability to like immediately respond to and solve pressure given up by your offensive line right now or early in the down. That's what makes Mahomes incredible, Allen incredible, Lamar incredible, so on and so forth. Usually clean to under pressure splits indicate that the quarterback is bad at managing the pocket. It indicates that like when everything is just pristine and perfect. Yeah, OK, he's fine. But he's likely the one that creates the bad pockets by padding the football, by not, you know, stepping into in, into spaces as, as the pocket kind of develops around him. Right. Like. Saying Wilson's really good from clean pockets implies that like he's he drops back. The pocket's great. He reads his progressions one, two to three, finds the open man and hits him. That never happens. Right. It never. never happens. If he's in a clean pocket and his first read is covered, he sits there and waits until the pocket becomes under pressured bad right. pocket and then he does something and then it gets charted as always oh, bad when he's under pressure the lines not doing the job no he didn't do the job it's on him so you always have to bet that particular split of like clean versus pressure always requires investigation
0: i think the I, I do think the patriots win and i think that they this is like the perfect team to attack this jets defense the jets defense is good but there are areas where they aren't so good and one of those areas is like when you play base offense and get them to pl- be a cover three team, a single high team rather than being in their quarter stuff. And the Patriots, like that's what they do. They can go under center. They can put like a fullback on the field. They don't have one this year, but they could put tight ends on the field. I think this is like a heavy 12 personnel game where they try to get the Jets base defense on the field. Make them take Michael Carter off the field and yep. put Quan Alexander on the field. So You're
3: saying basically they play two tight ends and bully the Jets off the field.
0: I, not, I'm not bully even... them. Just make them play. Like you have to match personnel, or you're going to get run on. So, like, I want them to take off Michael Carter, who is a, a vastly better player than Quan Alexander. To be and clear, that... the Jets have
3: two people named Michael Carter. Or the, yeah, this the, is Michael the,
0: the nickelback nickel uh, Michael Carter. Get the running
1: then, back off the field. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then Sheldon Rank. Yeah, don't put him on in on defense. Uh, and then Sheldon Rankins is, I think he's questionable. I don't know. He's not playing. But if yeah. he's not there, that's another blow to this base defense. Now all of a sudden he's not on the field anymore. And you could pro- probably run on them. Now, I do think the Jets did a good job of working around that in the first game. Because Salah was just like sending, it, they weren't necessarily blitzes, but they were like pressures meant to stop the run and blow up the run game. And it worked against Matt Patricia because I just don't think he's a great in-game adjuster or a good offensive play caller in general. But I think they'll be more prepared for that this time around. I also want to point out that the Jets defense kind of sucks on third down. Uh, they're twenty fourth in DVOA, and it's because they can't play man coverage. Like they are terrible in man coverage. So what is the what is the discrepancy? Because there's a
3: very common stat going on right now that Sauce Gardner has like four. He's allowed four catches on thirteen targets in man coverage this year for seven yards. But like how well, they, they is play that zone misleading? coverage eighty
0: percent of the time. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's necessarily misleading because I do think Sauce is very good. Right. But it's misleading because they're playing zone 80% of the time.
3: But if Sauce Gardner's the number one quarterback and he's crushing at man coverage and then DJ Jones across from him and the other cornerback might go to the pro zone. Yeah. Why can't, sorry, yeah, sorry, DJ Reed. Why can't they play man coverage?
1: Because man coverage isn't about your first best guy or your second best guy. It's about your fourth best guy, right? Like, you know, if, 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 if I, like in the, lead, in the era of passing tight ends, if your best man cover guy over tight ends is like CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams,
0: you're right, Quincy Williams yeah. is on the field a whole lot, and, right. and asking saying, him to I'm play man coverage question, right. is
1: bad. It's very when 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 you're in man coverage, it's very easy to avoid Sauce Gardner. I just don't throw it to his matchup, right? If you're in zone, right, and like you know, like I have like a single high beater to one half of the field, and I have a two high beater to the other half of the field as a quarterback, and you give me single high, and I have to throw my single high beater to Sauce's side, it sucks. You know, what I'm I got I got to throw into the teeth what you got going well for you. If you're in man coverage, I can just say, all right. Sauce plays exclusively on the outside. I'm going to put my best receiver in the slot, you know, Jacoby Myers, right? And then I'm going to stick Nelson Aguilar out there on the far boundary. I'm going to tell him to run as fast as he can down the field and then just watch Sauce Gardner just go run away. And now I solve that problem, and I'm going to go find my matchup in the right. slot that I like.
0: And that's that's what the Patriots were doing. And then Mac just wasn't making the throws or he was missing the throws. Like, that... It comes mm-hmm. down this game comes down to that. Will Mac Jones hit those throws and will he attempt those throws? Yes. In the Jets first Jets game, I saw people say that like he oh yeah, he he processed fine, he just had a few mistakes. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen from him from a processing standpoint.
3: Well, I am excited. I'm really glad that we ended with we'll see if Mac Jones makes the throws. That's how the game's going to go because that's that
1: will be fun. Yeah, we'll see how long Bill Belichick lets Mac Jones try to make the throws and if he decides he doesn't want to watch Mac Jones try to make the throws and said, if he wants to watch somebody else try to maybe yeah. make the throws.
3: Mac Jones is Bill Belichick into backup role. All right, that one's not good either, but Stevens wasn't good either. All right. Next one. Chiefs are at the Chargers. This is Sunday Night football. Chiefs are seven and two. Chargers are five and four. This was supposed to be the game of the week. Probably when they scheduled this game like six
1: months ago. I mean, they kicked it into Sunday night football just a couple weeks ago,
3: but like, Thursday, night, when this was Thursday night football, like Amazon chose this as the first Thursday night football game to like launch Amazon Prime as like the exclusive stream of Thursday night football. They were like, they, they not had their pick, but more or less, Amazon's like, we want Herbert and Mahomes. And then since that game, Herbert hurt his ribs. Herbert has been totally mediocre, I, and I I I don't think he is healthy. I don't care how injured they say he is. I feel like he's not been the same guy, and I know that everyone around him on this offense is hurt. But, like, I feel like this isn't as exciting of a game as it's built on paper. And the Chargers, even though Herbert is a fun quarterback, kind of an incredibly boring team to watch. So, I, I agree. This whole that. thing's disappointing. So, I'm curious. So, like, who do you think wins Chargers, Chiefs? Or, really, do you think that the Chiefs, Chargers even keep it close? And then, what is the headline on Monday morning?
0: Wait, this is Solak's game? Because <laughs> this, this is one of the games I wrote a headline for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what Danny said in the in the chat. Oh
0: man, I I, well, I was let, I, well. There
1: we go. We can do a headline off.
0: Who wants it? <laughs> no, let let Solak do it.
1: Well, I would like. Okay, I'm going to say my piece, and Stephen. I, I want Solak's headline. I want
3: Solak's headline, then I want Steven's headline.
1: Okay, my headline because uh, Mike Williams practicing on a limited basis, Keenan Allen practicing on a limited basis, the potential of having the receivers back, getting Herbert in this passing game back to where it can work, even though still the design is frustrating. I have return of the Mike. And I expect a big game from Mike Williams, uh, who I think is a, is a against a man-covered team like the Chiefs, who don't really have a big-sized outside corner. They, their biggest guy, Le'Jarius Snead, they kind of play on the inside. I like Mike Williams to have a big game. I like Return of the Mike. And I disagree, Danny. I think this is going to be quite a close game. We we haven't seen, in, in since Staley's been the head coach of the, the, the Chargers, every game these teams have played have been a one-possession game. It come it comes down to the wire. We had the overtime game last year. That the Chargers lost. Uh, we had the Chargers win against the Chiefs, right? The fourth and nine attempt to Mike Williams in his first game in 2021. And then this past season ended a three-point game with uh, with a late Justin Herbert drive. So I think it's close. I think the Chargers have a very good shot to win this because they're getting Keenan and Mike back. Return of the mic. Return of the mic is a good headline. Thank you.
0: I like Wait, that. Wait, you think the Chargers are going to win, though?
1: I think the Chargers have a very good chance to win. I'm not sure I want to take them, but I do think that the boost of getting Keenan and Mike Williams back in this passing offense is very important. Because I think that, like, running game-wise, they've improved. Defense-wise, they've gotten better. It's just the passing game that's trailing. And I think Williams and Keenan solves most of their problems. Assuming Keenan actually plays for four freaking quarters.
3: I
0: was going to yeah. say, I have a lot of thoughts. Stephen. what's your headline, though? Yeah, I had two headlines based on whether... Because the reason why we're not talking about this game or we didn't talk about this game in the first segment is because we didn't know if Allen or Williams were playing. If they were playing, I would imagine that this would be game of the week. I think that's mm-hmm. the only difference between... Like Hyfitt said, this game being considered maybe boring, and this being a thriller. I think it's going to be a thriller if those two play. My headline was "Recharged Bolts Come Up Just Short in Thriller." It's not a not a creative headline, but it's a, just just Return a professional headline. But I don't think they're going to beat the that. Chiefs. I don't think they're going to beat the Chiefs whether those two play or not. So I'm not. I'm I not going to sell I, out just for the headline. Like Solak does each and every week?
3: Maybe I'm. Maybe so. Maybe I'm. I'm what? Wrong here, I maybe come I'm under just, more like, fire
1: for my headlines than I come under fire for anything else over the course of my entire work week. So yes, I will sell out for the headlines. This is the highest stakes that I have Sunday to Sunday.
3: Well, until the Vikings beat the Cowboys that everyone's mad at you for that.
0: Yeah, that's okay. another one. Cold Do you want my alternate headline?
1: Matt Ryan's better than St. Mellinger. What's up?
0: My alternate headline was more like Return of the, the Mike." If Allen and Williams don't play, I, I'm assuming this is going to be a blowout. It's not going to look pretty. Then it's, it's getting stale
1: Because I I think I
0: think if they lose this game and it's in embarrassing uh, fashion, I think we're going to start to hear the "is it time to move on" talk. I think we've already started to hear whispers of it, but after if they lose this one, I think that that talk's going to heat up and his seat's going to heat up a lot.
3: But here's the thing: maybe I'm Mike. Mike Williams coming off high ankle sprain. Keenan Allen has the hamstring injury. I mean, he's been out for so long. Like Brian Robinson for the, the Washington got shot in the leg and returned in less time than Keenan Allen has taken for this hamstring injury. That happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're telling me that Keenan Allen coming off this hamstring injury and Mike Williams coming off a high ankle sprain, are they, are they really going to make that big of a difference yes. for the charge? Yes, because they're
0: not Michael Bandy or Jason Moore. <laughs> yes. Enormous.
1: I, I, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because no scheme in the league in their passing game asks more from the talent of their quarterback and their wide receivers than the Los Angeles Chargers does. Especially Keenan. Especially Keenan. What do you mean by that? So, all right, exactly. Uh, I'm designing a passing offense. All right, what does my quarterback do well? You know, let's let's take the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're a very interesting example. Lawrence is a good processor. He throws good, good layered footballs. He's got arm strength to get all over the course of the field. He manages the pocket well. He's a smart cookie. And then my receiving core. I got Zay Jones, I got Christian Kirk, I got Marvin Jones. I don't really have the ability to stretch the field, right? I don't, I don't have a guy who can I go vertical and like really take the top off of defense. So the Jaguars only like kind of operate in this like area zero to twenty yards down the field, and they run, you know, this this side of the field. This concept over here is going to beat man coverage. That concept over there is going to beat zone coverage. Lawrence will get to the the, the line of scrimmage. He'll identify where the coverage is. He'll pick the correct side. He'll pick his matchup. He'll throw the football, and we're going to have a lot of contested catches. We're going to have a lot of tight windows because. Zay's not really a separator. Marvin's not really a separator. Evan Ingram's not really a separator. But that's just where we're going to have to live. I'm going to do my best to help him out, though, right? I'm going to get Travis Etienne involved in the passing game because he's got more juice than all my receivers do with the ball in their hands. So I'm going to run Etienne on these swings. I'm going to get him out in the slot. I'm going to get him involved in the game. I'm going to get Jamal Agnew out there. I'm going to get some speed and have the ability to at least push down the field a little bit. And Christian Kirk's my best separator. I'm going to move him around a lot, right? I'm going to put him in the slot and then behind in a stack and then in a bunch and then motion him and then put him out wide. I'm going to find ways to make the limitations of this offense, more tenable. I'm going to try to find as much space I can, get as much juice out of what I have to call as a play caller for the talent of my quarterback and my receiver. Now, the Chargers. I have Justin Herbert. He can throw the football 90 yards down the field. He's a super computer head. He can process anything, right? So I can give him anything I want, front side, back side. He can get the different reads. He manages the pocket unbelievably. Super low sack rate, super low turnover play rate. He's not going to take a bad play. He's going to be able to execute whatever I give him. But receiver wise, if I don't have if I don't have Keenan, I don't have Mike Williams. I have Mike Bandy and Jason Moore and whatever the guys, the other, the Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter. I I have no I have no juice at receiver. So other offensive coordinators in this moment, in this instance would say, all right. Herbert's really smart. He's a great processor. I can give him half field read over here, this half field over there, whatever. It's going to be great. But my receivers just aren't good enough. So I have to get gadgety. I have to get tricky. I have to find ways to get these guys to separate. I have to find ways to get the ball in DeAndre Carter's hands. I have to find creative ways to move players around and, and kind of game up the passing game, make it tricky, make it gadgety, make it work. Joe Lombardi says, I'm going to have DeAndre Carter run all of Keenan Allen's routes, and it should work just as well. <laughs> it, it, they run the same stuff. They run the same stuff. And they say, why isn't Gerald Everett winning the contested ball that Mike Williams wins? Right. They they the the drop-off in wide receiver talent from wide receiver two, Mike Williams, to wide receiver three, Josh Palmer is enormous. They lost one and two. Third best receiver, Josh Palmer. He he's one of the worst, third best receivers in the league. Gerald Everett, like he's like the sixteenth, eighteenth best tight end in the league. And they run the same stuff as they do when Keenan and Mike Williams are healthy. So like like usually what we're accustomed to seeing as football watchers is okay. When a star player gets injured, the coach is going to figure out a way to make it hurt less. Joe Lombardi is the essence not of that.
3: coaching is supposed to be, you look at the group of people you have and design something that help that is based on what they yes. do. And you're saying the chargers are basically just saying, this is what makes sense on the chalkboard. And then you just replace the X's.
1: Yes. And this is like the bad habit that they got into because they have Justin Herbert because Herbert, like you said Herbert's mediocre. You're, you're right. Absolutely right in the sense of like stats, in the sense of like. Yeah, you're offensive. insane
0: with like yeah. what he's actually doing on the field. Because it's right. like you're right amazing in
1: stats in the sense of offensive performance, because he doesn't put up the numbers that like Tua has, that Jalen Hurts has, that Kirk Cousins has, let alone Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, whatever the upper tier of quarterbacks. Why is that? Because Herbert, even in, in a season where he's down in terms of like peak production, continues to have one of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates in the entire league and the lowest sack rates under pressure in the entire league. He does not make bad plays. He he does not take bad sacks. He does not throw interceptions. So what this means for Lombardi, because Herbert is so smart and so risk-averse, is that the Chargers have tricked themselves into believing, oh, our quarterback never makes a bad play, so let's just run all the basic stuff. He'll always get us to a good spot. We will always move the ball down the field. What they forget is there's 10 other dudes that can cause problems on the offense. Sometimes the defense wins, man. And so like, oh yeah, Herbert's getting to the correct read all the time. But sometimes the correct read on third and five is Michael Bandy four yards down the field. And guess who can't get the last yard? Michael freaking Bandy. You gotta do more. Even if your quarterback is this good mentally, even if he's this disciplined, this regimented, you still gotta help him. Oh, he's a coach on the field. You still got to do your job. And so they just leave him hanging out to dry. So Keenan and Mike Williams coming back, the circle is back home is the biggest boost of like a returning wide receiver. Like think about what DeAndre Hopkins did for the Cardinals passing game coming back more than that because of how much the talent of these players matters to the way this passing game works. I'm sweaty.
0: And what's interesting about this is you would think like playing man coverage against these bad receivers would be the strategy, the go-to strategy. But the thing that's working for defense is just playing zone because they know, because in addition to the wide receiver talent, which one of the problems with that talent is they're just not fast enough. Like they, they literally can't get downfield in time to run the routes by the time the pass rush gets home. And Isn't that literally on, their job to know
3: that their players can't do that, though? I, that's what the part of this thing.
0: Well, there, you don't really have a choice on third down. Like, if it's third and nine, you have like you have no other choice. You have to run Michael Bandy on the 10-yard the stop route. But it takes him five seconds to run, and he creates no separation. And then you have the offensive tackle problem. So now you have offensive tackles that you have to give help to in obvious passing downs. Or Herbert's getting sacked in two seconds, or getting pressured in two seconds.
3: Okay, so then, I'm not going to lie. This doesn't make me still feel super confident that the Chargers are going to keep this game but,
0: close. But now they have Allen and Williams back, and they can run these in plays Nate, I'm not confident that they're That's they're enough. I think per, the perception is enough for me. Like I think for the defense and even for Herbert, when we when Herbert was on the Ringer pod during the summer, I asked him, like, how do you decide whether to wow. get off a guy? Wow, uh,
1: sick brag. All right, sorry, keep thanks, it rolling. Thanks. Just loved that. <laughs>
0: I asked Justin Herbert personally, uh, (laughs) and he said it was a great question. Uh, He did. How do you decide to come off receivers and go to the next guy in your progression? And he said, like, when part of it is trusting those guys to win. And he was he mentioned Keenan and Mike Williams in particular. What has been the big or the only valid criticism of Justin Herbert during this this mediocre stretch? Too getting through his progressions. He's getting through his progressions too quickly and checking down too too much. Now that he has his dudes back, the guys that he trusts, I don't care what if if Mike Williams is limping. As long as he's not Michael Bandy, he's going to be a better just option because so Herbert is going to give him a Michael chance. Bandy in this he deserves one every second. single one of them. I was going to say it was such
3: a shill because he didn't say what Herbert said about Michael Bandy because he
0: said he's waiting so long for him to get to third and 10 that he like grows old. <laughs> right. But that, yeah, this offense just isn't viable because of that we haven't even gotten to the defense, which is like talent wise, just as bad.
1: I will say, the, the, how soon do I get off a guy is really important for Herbert because last year they were horrible early down performance, right? On, 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 uh, first down and second down their EPA was one of the worst in the league before the buy after the buy was one of the best. And the big difference was they just started throwing to keen a lot more on early downs. And it really seemed like the coaching point was like, Hey, Justin, he's going to get open. Just throw it to him. Like, it's like, just wait, just, you don't have to get off the read. You don't have to process Just let Keenan beat the guy and then throw it at Keenan. This year, right now, this season, obviously Keenan hasn't played for the majority of the season. The Chargers have only had Keenan and Mike Williams on the field together for 7% of their snaps this year. The Chargers are the third worst offense by EPA per play on first down. Third worst. It's like the Rams and the Panthers who are worse. It's Rams and the Steelers, excuse me. It's abysmal. Keenan coming back saves the first down offense. Keeps you out of third and long. You actually move the ball down the field.
3: I get what you guys are saying. I still think the Chiefs are going to win by 14 points. All right, next game here. It's kind of a morbid fascination for me with this Bears-Falcons game. So this isn't really a headline as much as this is basically a service academy game. On the Fantasy Football Show, Craig has been joking that Chicago is basically the Navy midshipman because the, the Bears are literally throwing less per game than any team in the last 40 years. And now they're playing the Falcons. And if you just look at like week two through nine, the Falcons are throwing even less than the bears. Like these teams don't (laughs) that one week
1: game against the saints where they like lost like in the last seconds. And Arthur Smith was like, never again. We run the football from here on out. No,
3: actually like if you just take that game out where they changed their mind, the Falcons are throwing even less than the bears who are throwing less than any team in 40 years. So this is basically like Navy versus air force. The bears are going to score six points in this game. Well, that's air force beat Navy 13 to 10. Like, Early uh, like a month ago and i'm wondering if this is just a 13 so is going to make
0: an argument and he's going to vouch for the bears in this game and then i'm going to say one thing and i'm going to convince him otherwise all right so Solak, I'll I'll let him say the one first. thing just look at the defensive coordinator that he's going up against and then look up that defensive coordinator his history against running quarterbacks Wait, what are you talking about the best Use running names. quarterbacks Dean Pease. Dean Pease has been good the guy against Lamar who weighed out during his career who laid and for the Colin Kaepernick and won the Ravens a Super Bowl by defending Colin Kaepernick before anyone knew how to defend an option. They're going to do horrible things to him. It's not going to be pretty. And if if it is, then I I I've, I've been wrong about Justin Fields the whole time and he's way better than I think.
1: Bears total points at Fanduel set at 23 and a half.
0: They're not scoring 23.
1: All right, what line do you want?
0: what do you mean i I, i'm not i'm not a degenerate what do you mean by you take the under
1: i take the over we put the avatar on it which you haven't changed the zach wilson avatar even though it's been like two and a half weeks
0: i (laughs) I was was gonna do a bit where i do a different quarterback every week i was gonna do two of this week and then i couldn't figure out how that person created that image (laughs) (laughs) i like try and i'm like the person that
3: steven's twitter avatar has been zach wilson number one quarterback in the nfl for like two weeks now but anyway i
0: i'll I'll take 20 you want to do 20
1: We need need to be a half point, so that way we don't get
3: a tie. 20
0: and a half. 19 and a half. No. I always give you you the the favorite in these (laughs) avatar bets. 20 even,
3: and if it's 20 on the dot, you both change
1: each other's avatar.
0: Okay, that's fine.
1: (laughs) That'd be really funny. Okay, I accept. 20 on the dot. Perfect. Dean Pease has historically been very, very good against uh, quarterback run teams. I absolutely agree. Uh, The thing that gives me excitement and comfort about the Bears is that while the Falcons, while the Bears' passing game is certainly nothing to write home about over the course of the season, it has been improved over the last few weeks. The Falcons' passing defense is terrible, and AJ Terrell probably is still questionable for this game. AJ Terrell back would, would have me pretty worried about the Bears. Since Terrell was injured and since he's been absent, this Falcons' passing defense has been nothing. The other thing against is that, real
0: passing offenses, though,
1: the other thing mm-hmm. is that the Falcons are good against the Falcons and DNPs might be good against historically against scrambling quarterbacks. The Falcons recently have been dreadful against handoffs, which the Bears do a lot of, right? No Cleo Herbert potentially for this game, but David Montgomery and a line that's been playing pretty well against a Falcons front that has no teeth to it in the interior besides Grady Jarrett. I think it's, it's run, run, run on the Bears side, run, run, run on the Falcons side. And then you're giving me the, you're, the choice of which quarterback is more likely to make a superstar play, which quarterback is more likely to make a game-breaking play. Marcus Mariota, Justin Fields. Which,
0: which quarterback is more likely to make a game-breaking play or take a game-breaking sack? I think it's Justin Fields. Like I,
1: at Fields maybe. I, slightly, I must have, but been have been watching we watched the Mariota recently.
0: He's not that bad. Like the ugly moments are Mariota ugly, but is he's not awful. that bad. Mariota, oh, has you have that receivers?
1: You have Mariota at twenty-eight and Justin Fields at twenty-two on your quarterback rankings.
0: Yeah, we're talking about them as passers, okay. They're going to be. I think they're going to be able to make Justin Fields a passer. And that, I also that, said
1: game breaking play, which for Fields has largely included tucking the football and running. He's had like at least one run of over forty yards in five of the last six games or something.
3: My, my disagreement is, is I
0: don't think it comes down to which quarterback makes a game breaking play because I don't think either of these quarterbacks is going to make one.
3: I agree with Steven that the Falcons' coaching staff is better than
0: the Bears' coaching staff. Okay, the defense at least. No, well, both sides actually.
1: The the Bears have scored 30 plus points in the last 3 games. They've also oh, lost God. all 3 because their defense can't stop anybody, which is historical. Don't you owe oh God me?
0: Yeah, the defense gave up that that uh pick six that Justin Fields threw. Like the reason why they lost the Lions game in the fourth quarter was because Justin Fields. Like I don't know what people were watching or if they turned the game off in the fourth quarter, but he threw that game away. It wasn't just the pick six either. He had Cole Komet open on a third down with like 5 yards of separation against Alex Alizoni, I think, or however you say his Ansel- name. A white Ansel- linebacker. <laughs> a white linebacker with long blonde hair. That's all you need to know. Yeah,
3: he looks like he could be an extra. And he, underth- and he turns it, it
0: into a contested catch. That's like the difference between the game, honestly, that and the pick six. Like, he threw the game away.
1: Fields has not been good in the fourth quarter. Absolutely, 100%. He's not been good as either.
0: a passer in a drop-back passing game. If you strip away, like, play action and all that stuff, like, he's just not, It's he's the worst drop-back passer in the NFL. He takes a bunch sure. of sacks. He's he can't throw accurately still unless the the window is just wide open like we're over if, if a team can shut down the run game the quarterback run game this offense once again is unviable. They haven't been able to do that. But I think that was more of like the Lions defended the option as poorly as I've seen a team defend the option in a decade. Like I have no idea what that approach was.
2: They're
1: it's not but then they're, they're not gonna turn off the play action switch this week. They're not just gonna NFL kickoff Scott Hansen's gonna announce on red zone, hey, Roger Goodell <laughs> told us no more play action. We're not doing it this week. Everybody's gonna drop back like a man. We're All still right, cheesing, we, baby.
3: We, we 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 can't keep arguing here. We can't keep arguing. We have serious, serious business to get to. We have a more somber note to end the episode on. Um and I'm sorry if this is kind of a vibe kill, but we are um we also have to mourn the deaths of the Raiders and Broncos season because the Vegas Raiders are playing the Denver Broncos this week. And I think um, Solak, if you had some words you wanted to share yep. in this, um, this, this unfortunate moment.
1: Yeah, no, the, uh, the eulogy. So, right, Raiders, Raiders, Broncos, loser of this game. But both teams are losers. Both teams are not going to do anything substantial for the rest of the season. Loser of this game. Pretty much out of, I think, the scope of the NFL Ringer Friday preview podcast for the remainder of the season. It feels very odd to pick <laughs> the are out of
3: more things than that. People yeah. are going to be out of jobs. People, like, like yeah. worse things than well, that.
1: Well, I think the Raiders lose. And I, apparently, the Raiders are not going to be out of their jobs. At the very least, Josh McDaniels isn't, uh, because owner Mark Davis has said that Josh McDaniels is doing, quote, a great job, which is actually part of my eulogy for the Raiders. So <clears throat> uh, here lies the Las Vegas Raiders. They lived a long and beautiful life. Born January 31st, 2022, with the hiring of head coach Josh McDaniels, the Raiders filled their life with joy, friends, and families. With joy, friends, and family, like the one time they traded two first-round picks for Devontae Adams and couldn't get him working, and the other time they took a ton of money out of Derek Carr's contract so they could cut him this upcoming season. The Raiders also brought in Chandler Jones, and a free agent signing with the Arizona Cardinals to have a total of 0.5 sacks this season. The Raiders will be survived and remembered by Derek Carr when he plays for another team and takes them to 10 wins in the following season, as well as Josh McDaniels, who will continue to be employed next year because owner Margaret Davis thinks, quote, he's doing a great job. Congratulations to the Raiders, who on their tombstone, it will read, quote, did a great job.
3: Uh, you said a lot of things there. Either of you have the take that Josh McDaniels is doing a good job.
1: In Josh McDaniels' last, like, 20 games as a head coach, he's like 2-18 and 18 or something. Or not that I know, it's like four and 16, but it's so ridiculous. that like bad? Yeah. I don't, like, I don't see in McDaniels coached teams anything reminiscent of Patriot Belichick coach teams save for like they run an under center drop back pass game. Derek Carr right now is like second in the league in drop backs from under center without play action. So they're just running like the 05 Brady stuff. Then that looks pretty tricky. And then everything else, like in terms of like execution, in terms of like getting the ball to your star players, in terms of like rotating and using gadget players, in terms of like being ahead on, on, on like personnel developments and like having creative personnel packages and like doing run stuff out of pass looks and doing pass stuff out of run looks, like all the stuff that like we attributed to the Patriots being really smart football over the course of the last few years, that it doesn't look like it's McDaniels at all. Like he didn't carry any of it with him to the Raiders.
0: He hasn't been doing that for a long time too. Like even like, When they won the Super Bowl, the Pats, the last time, 2018, the offense stunk for, like, the first 11 weeks of the season, and they they figured out how to get the play-action passing game going. And then 2019, the offense was bad. 2020, the offense was bad with Cam Newton. 2021, it was fine. It was good. But then it eventually got bad at the end, and they could never really fix it. He hasn't been a good offensive coordinator really since, like, 2017, the year they lost to the, the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Like... This isn't, I, I, I know we want to like look at like his locker room management and like his past stops, and like he d- didn't really get that buy-in from the locker room, but I really think this is the case of an offensive coordinator, an offensive play caller, that the game has just passed him by. Like He's, he, he's not keeping up with the trends, and it's not working. Like He, he died of natural causes. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> that
3: was good. That's all we got. This is the Ringer NFL Show. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you guys next week.